Steve, I put the old production hat on. Oh, was that, oh, was that, that was you. So truly proving that anybody, Dan Scheich, can do this. Oh, for God's sake. You, you know what I bet? I bet Dan Scheich heard that right there and got so mad he overbilled another garage band. <laughs> that was Tony and Lansing. Yeah, you know. Good buddy, Tony and Lansing. You know, Fozzie and the Wet Blankets just got 10% higher. On their bill from Shike the Music Man, because because Tony Rodabaugh did a far <laughs> superior job than he's probably doing. That's right. Check them out, Fozzie, and in the, the wet, wet blankets, blankets. getting yeah. their music uh, clicked and buttoned. Yeah, by Dan Shike probably right now. They're playing uh, down in the cellar next week. Fozzie and the Wet Blankets <laughs> seems like a place who's playing at a pizzeria. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, there's boy. no question just that pull this microphone right out. I mean, big surprise. Yeah. Actually, the mic stand hasn't been an issue for quite a no, while. No, it hasn't. But. Yeah, I mean, since since you angrily started drilling <laughs> mid podcast, that has been solved. You know, speaking of Tony Rodabaugh, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but I think I got it. Yeah, Ro- Rodabaugh. He Rodabaugh? did send us a message, and I haven't replied because that's the kind of the way we handle. Uh, personal messages around yeah. here we beg for interaction yes. and then ignore anyone who gives yep. us that interaction precisely <laughs> uh send us a message wants to be it wants us steve to be on his show oh nice now, i may be violating some form of trust because i believe the message he had sent us refers to us as some type of special guest and that can't be the correct terminology mm. when describing having us on i don't know I mean, look, it's his show. He can describe us however right. he wants. Hero, but, but, but here's look, the thing. I, I, hero, he might, he might throw that word out sure. there. But is there anything? Inspiration, role model. Inspiration These are just seems, words that yeah. Tony could use to describe us. Inspiration seems assured that's what he's using <laughs> to describe us. I mean, he has his own podcast. So at this point, anybody who has started a podcast after June of 2016 you and I can lay some form of claim yeah, to being an inspiration. I mean, we got seniority. So you're welcome, Tony, for providing that for you. Um, but yeah, he wants us to be on his show at the end of uh, end of next month. So we'll see if Great. we can make something like Wait, that happen. He just started his show and he's already booking yeah, 25. Like a, he's already booking a, a month and a half out or five yeah, but, weeks out. So here's the issue, though, is if we, if he's advertising for his show, "Quote unquote special guests or whatever surprise guests, however you want to Heroes refer to it again, you know, like we said. If he has friends or whoever listening to that thing, which again is already better than anything Shike's put together in years. <laughs> Suck it, Shike. I feel like if I ever meet Dan in in the flesh, it's going to be the man. I'm sorry, like most him of the, to you, or no, you me to him, to him okay, because I say, I'm not. Uh, I'm assuming he's a violent man. <laughs> rage filled well he's in the music industry but not in like the cool way right yeah he's not hanging with the bands you know he's not metallica he's the guy who pushes the button for yeah. the metallica cover band here's who's cooler in the music industry than shike and just as a preface we got into this by saying i would apologize to him if i saw him right if so, you saw him yeah and that'll never happen uh the guy who when the you know the stage goes dark for even a few moments steve yeah. And he, uh, like the lead singer is either sitting on a stool or maybe he's making the rounds. A big song just got done. And then all of a sudden the screen's dark and you see the silhouette of some idiot jog onto the, onto the stage and switch the guitars that are in the stands. 
So he is now a roadie. No, no. That guy's cooler than what Shike does. <laughs> okay. I mean, no offense, but they're actually no, no, no. seeing no, the no band. No offense at all. You're I mean, getting. Look, you didn't em- have enough time to uh, claim offense. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. You, you, I mean, Shike's sitting there getting MP3s every month from a manager, whereas that guy is at least, you know, smelling the musk of the lead singer on stage. Oh. <sighs> But we, we digress. digress. Yeah. Tony asked us to be on his show. Um, I love it. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what his podcast is about, but I'm in. Are there? Would there be a bigger disappointment, though, advertising to whatever his listening audience is? You know, special surprise guests. And then it's just your and I faces appearing on the, <laughs> on the, like, the Zoom or whatever. Hey. And everybody's just staring back because in what universe would they know who we are? Right. Well, I think it's all in the way that he builds us up. Right. It's all in the way that he he uh, announces it. Because he needs to make sure people know yeah. we're not people that they should know. Do we have a writer for our virtual appearances? Mm. Should we? Yeah. You know, I don't know what like we could least, ask at for. At least six mentions of sure. our uh, you know, podcast specific social media website whatever i would actually request that for that week you change the title to the Stephen kyle podcast presents you know the tony rotabaugh podcast i think that's only fair yeah i think that's pretty uh pretty standard operating procedure but the Stephen kyle tour uh around the podcast industry continues mm-hmm. uh, we have an appearance some point in the next two weeks i believe with uh our, finally our friends brian and chrissy we do yeah the commercial break yep and we'll be, listen, to show that we mean business, we're going out of our way to do that. You know, that's not mm-hmm. a regularly scheduled record yeah, date like or a, time. It's going to be like a Tuesday. Yeah. I'm going to be in my bank gear. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, right now, it is Sunday, July 25th, 2021, the year of our Lord. It's the Stephen Kyle podcast. It is. Well, yeah, mention the time, too. It's 7.40 p.m. Ridiculous. Right it's 7.40 p.m., but for a good reason. Now, I was yeah. uh, I, I was out of town yesterday and the first half of today, so I got back to the house around 3.30, 4 o'clock, and we were, we were planning on just recording then, mm-hmm. but uh, I saw a friend of mine post on Facebook that he's in Tokyo. Sure. He is in Tokyo for the Olympics. Which is... One of the coolest things yeah. to know someone there. I, I to, to me, that doesn't interest me to be involved because, well, at least this year, it's such a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Just such a nightmare with what they have to do from what I've heard. And I, you know, I, it, that doesn't seem fun, you know? Yeah. So he's um, he's over there. Now, he's been to the Olympics. I think he said this is his fifth Olympics. So fifth Olympics. Yeah. So. Is he strictly involved with the Summer Olympics, meaning he's been going for nope. 20 years? No, he's been to the Winter Olympics. Okay. I know he did some. He he does. Now, I'm, I'm going to be interested to find out exactly. I know that he works somehow with the U.S. water polo team. Sure. Um, and he has, he's called, he's a play-by-play guy. Uh, he's called a ton of different events. I sent you the list of all mm-hmm. the different. He does uh, basketball and football play-by-play as well, but he's over there. So originally I thought, oh, I wonder if Greg is calling uh, water polo matches again. So I messaged him. He said, no, he's not doing it this time. He's doing more like uh, basically like press work for the water polo team. Gotcha. But I was like, man, it would be cool to have him on. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to get the perspective of – of any Olympics, this is the right. one. Someone on the ground where it's going to be completely different. I would assume. Then you think, yeah, you think you can get one of the water polo players for us? Y- yeah, I mean, he water. could literally point at yeah. anyone in in the room and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, you, you want to be a water polo player?" I mean, I feel like I'm ready to go. If you can give me uh, just a few seconds, Steve. Here, as I type in, how do you play water polo? <laughs> I okay, think that that's, I'm all good. I think that'll be one of the one of the main questions is how do you how, play water polo? Well, that how does he? Because he is somebody who I went to college with Greg, uh, Greg Meskel, and as far as I know, Greg wasn't big into water polo back in college. So he just like this is a transformation. I believe that I don't. I, I have no idea if he has since taken up playing water polo. Sure, or if this is just one of those things where he used his skill set. 
kind of adapted it to a you know a, a sport that he didn't necessarily know or was familiar with. Yeah, but he's like the go-to guy for <laughs> for a water polo play-by-play. I'm, I'm, uh, looking I'm going up, through so. the roster. Any one of these dudes could murder me. I believe there's. Uh, I believe he's primarily. I I know that he does a lot of work specifically with the women's water polo team. Okay, I pulled. I just pulled up the men. Mm-hmm. Six five two twenty six four two twenty five six six two forty five. Imagine swimming towards that behemoth. No, and I'm thinking, just... yeah, I'll swim right past him. Yeah, I I'm going to be asking Greg. Uh, the very bare, by the way, what the reason I'm saying this is we're going to be talking to him in about yes. 15 minutes. I thought that it would be a, a great opportunity. We had somebody, um, that we were going to talk to today, but then it, the, with the, uh, with our scheduling changing, we had to push that back. Correct. So I thought this, th- I love talking to people that I know, but this is something, I mean, it's the, he's on the world stage right now over in Tokyo. Sure. I got a million different questions for him. Now I'm I'm getting real self-centered here before we even talk to him. Of course, him. yeah, yeah. What do you think the odds are we can get some of those uh, some trinkets back that he'd mail us? I mean, I'm sure he could. I mean, I don't know what they hand out. I'm just assuming. I want a press pass. I don't even want that. Here's Give what me I a want. Lanyard. So for years, these stories have been legend in an Olympic village or whatever. I think it was Brazil, 2012, may have been 16. I don't know. Where they ha- they handed out. I think it was like a half a million condoms. Oh, yeah. Something insane. Can we just get one? Yeah. Does it have like the Team USA logo on it or like the Olympic rings? <laughs> and we're just going to put it on our, you know, it's eventually for the merch table. It's going. Or for the, 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 the you know, table of honor, or the yeah, shelf our, of honor. Our, our curio cabinet. Yes. That, we, that we're planning for. Uh, for APS 4.0. New studio. Yeah. Because I don't want your standard stuff. Like, yeah, this is a keychain that I got, you know, from, you know, Team USA. Mm-hmm. Neat. Whatever. Keep it. I'm happy for you. No, I want, you know, one of those pieces of cardboard from under the bed where the players and athletes aren't supposed to be having sex on them. Yeah. The anti-sex beds. I want something off the cuff. And so I want you to know in advance because you know Greg. Mm-hmm. I Obviously, I've never met Greg. I'm going to ask for stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that it's perfectly acceptable. For Garbage stuff. That. Yeah. Garbage. Again, um, I'm sure Greg's a nice guy. He's a great guy. So I'm very excited uh, to get with him because what what an opportunity. I mean. Yeah, it's amazing. To, for him to do that, but, you know, for us to be able to talk, someone on the gr- to, talk to somebody on the ground mm-hmm. there this year is going to be really neat. Um, yeah. So the reason we had to record this so late is because yeah. in Tokyo, they're 13 hours ahead of where we are right now. Yeah. So we're talking to him at 8 p.m. our time, which is 9 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, his time. I mean, if you think about it, um, it, it, there's a chance. I mean, I don't know how those events occur, but things are pretty rigid over there. But there's still a chance that, like, he could be, hey, man, I can't do it. We've got, you know, we're watching this event or we've got this practice now. Yeah. And what are we going to, hey, 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 no. And then we sat here and recorded on a. Sunday night at eight o'clock. Right, we could have recorded five hours ago, and, and then could, maybe we could I, just I could be getting ready for bed now, yeah. like I normally. Am. Maybe we could just watch the Olympics while it happens. Yeah. Have you uh, been watching much? Not much. We turn it on. I've been. Uh, it's everywhere. So yeah. it wasn't that long ago that the Olympics felt like still so much of it. The only way you could watch was on tape delay. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's still like, especially with Tokyo this year. I'm assuming a lot of it is. Well, but, we it, watching... but it doesn't have to be. That, that's right. what I mean. I mean, 40 years ago, you, they talk about the miracle on ice. That was all tape delay unless yeah. you were live in person. Yeah. And that's the way crazy. news traveled then, nobody really knew until it was televised. Mm-hmm. I feel like even 8, 12, 16 years ago, networks were saying we're only showing the men's 100-yard dash right. live on prime t- in primetime yeah. on NBC. But now NBC has their own streaming service. They have five more than five channels that they can put this stuff mm-hmm. on. You can find every event as it's happening. So I've been dabbling in handball. Oh yeah. Men's volleyball, women's beach volleyball, mm-hmm. um, which I, I have questions about women's beach volleyball. We, I talked about this at length with specifically with, questions about women's beach volleyball. Yeah. Because 
I don't think it's fair to them. And, and I shouldn't say that without having spoken to any of the women's beach volleyball participants, Mm -hmm. but you watch those events and there's, they are wearing bathing suits that are less than bathing suits you see on a beach. Yeah. And that's been an issue. So I, I started reading about it and it seems like the entire team. So not just the two, some that are on the beach, but like I, my interpretation would be every athlete in that area for country a has to agree on a certain outfit. Yeah. And now they have an outfit that is, you know, almost a long sleeve and like, they look like leggings and mm-hmm. you know, you're on the beach. So there's sand. You don't really want that, but it feels like there was a nice halfway option of like bike shorts and a shorter top. Yeah. Obviously I don't know the competitive advantages or disadvantages or, yeah, who knows? you know, they're used to being on the beach wearing a bathing suit. But I feel like the ones they have to wear, like, that's why ratings are high. Let's not kid ourselves (laughs) here. I mean, women's beach volleyball is known as one of the higher rated events in the Olympics, in the Summer Olympics, track and field, because it's, you know, the 10 seconds and it's over. But women's beach volleyball for that reason. Mm -hmm. And, well, you can't be oblivious to the fact that it's because it's the skimpiest bikinis on some of the most athletic people you'll ever see. Beautiful people. Every person there. Which can be said about... 99% 99% of the people competing in yeah. the Olympics, men, women, no matter what sport you're doing, chances are if you're an Olympic level athlete, you're a beautiful person. I had men's powerlifting on this afternoon. I was, I couldn't take my eyes off this guy's quads. <laughs> Never seen anything like it in my life, Steve. Yeah. I mean, they could have been train cars. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I heard a choo-choo when he lifted. I was watching swimming last night for a while. Various uh, swimming. It was cool to hear Michael. Swimming's exciting. It was cool to hear Michael Phelps doing play-by-play or doing uh, like commentary yeah. on some of the events. It was interesting because they said that's the the first Olympics since '96 that he hasn't participated in. And I don't that's look amazing. at him as a somebody who would make that switch to commentating easily. No, I'd imagine that they. Um, I would imagine that they asked him because they knew that viewership was going to be down for these. Right. Um, Because he wasn't particularly good. I mean, he was fine. Mm -hmm. He interjected a few like, oh, the last 15 meters, that's when they'll really do this, this, or this. Right. So that was kind of interesting to know. But It's this weird fascination, though, with all of sports media, all of them that they feel like they need that former athlete in yeah. there. And in that role in small doses, that can work. Mm-hmm. It's the problem when they try to make Michael Phelps the centerpiece yeah. that you hear so few stories about people in love with color commentators in sports. The only one I can think of off the top of my head on a national level is, is Tony Romo. Yeah. Who people adore. Yeah. Cause it's a totally different set of talent than to be able to swim fast with your gangly monkey arms, <laughs> than to be able to know the ins and outs of broadcasting and where you're supposed to be talking and where you're not supposed to be talking. Right. It's a very fine line, but you're right. If you're the NBC, you pay billions of dollars for the Olympics. You pay whatever dollar to get the Olympians mm-hmm. that United States viewers will know into you know into the TV sets. Yeah. It's... It's um, it's a smart move, but yeah, it doesn't take long nowadays for the internet to turn a very vile eye towards somebody in broadcasting sure. if they make one mistake or they don't sound the smartest at one thing. So yeah, that's curious. And it's, it's so weird though, because we talked about the tape delay. If you're not watching it live, you're watching it at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. A lot of these gym, women's gymnastics was on at 2 a.m. Eastern standard last that's night. Crazy. And it's Why? thirteen hours, so for them it's four. It's uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. But that's such a like that's such a huge event. Yeah, and I but I believe they re-aired it. You know, back in uh, um, prime time. I'm guessing last night. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see, but that's that's an event. That's the event that America cares about. It was funny. I, I was always. watching some of the gymnastics last night. It was the men's, and uh, <laughs> so they they do that thing in every sport where they give the like team profiles and they flash up one of the guys or like his discipline is this and this, and they show him doing his stuff yeah. in slow motion. And then they get to the one guy and you hear like the electric guitar, like, 
he's the bad boy. Yeah, and he like, turned his head, <laughs> and it was it was funny to see him basically, like you just said, be referred to as the bad boy. He's it, and then and then they show him, and he's like, I mean, he's he's doing flips and stuff, yeah. uh, like dancing around, and I'm like. He's had two dress code violation and been tardy to three meetings. He's the bad boy. Colton. <laughs> like what? It's it's curious, man. And yeah. but yeah, I mean the Olympics are I, I more dabble. I don't get super involved in, in every event or a lot of the events. Um it's always neat to see. I like watching and I'll tune mm-hmm. in for a lot of the track and field stuff. But I don't follow it in in advance at all. No, and this year especially, not knowing if it was even going to happen up until a week ago. Yeah, like is Usain Bolt running still? Is he still? No is idea. he still an athlete? No, clue. like in the Olympics. I don't know any. I don't know. I don't. I mean, these aren't names either, and they're not meant to be names for the most part. You know, ninety eight percent of Olympians are not your household name like a professional no. athlete, right? Except for oh, look, there's one where when I was watching um, at work the other day. The TV in the um, in the studio was tuned to NBC, and we had the opening ceremonies on. Mm. We were all marching in because it was very strange just watching them walk into empty arena. An empty arena. Yeah. But there was one name I knew, and by name I mean not actual name. Was it shirtless Tongan guy? Greased up Tonga man. <laughs> Don't have any idea what event. What was he, he back does? doing? He was just carrying. He, yeah, he was carrying walking. the. I think he was carrying the flag. Oh, good for him. He was the star. Of, I'm not. Sh- it was 2016. It was 16. Yeah, so I'm not sure if he's back competing in whatever event. I feel like it was one of those. Events. Or if he's now like the token Tongan guy. Yeah. Who I like? Wonder, he's got. He's on man. Tongan Wheaties. <laughs> you know, he's doing Tongan Sports Center a couple nights a week. We're gonna have to ask Greg. Because Gre- I mean, Greg is our—he is our—because uh, I assume that greased up Tongan man yeah. walks around the Olympic Village, yeah, greased up. I feel like it doesn't just come off. Oh God, no! And why would you? When no. you look like that, would you? If you look like that, and I don't—I don't have my computer with me tonight. My apologies, but I'll—I'll I'll try to put put this on the poll. If you looked like that, would you ever take the grease off? Not a chance, because. You don't look better if you're not like, you'll never look better than that. No. With that grease accentuating every crevice in your 15 pack of abs. Oh, that's right. Remember this guy? He was a, he was in one event in the summer Olympics in 2016. And then let's see, I'm pulling up the article right now. Peta. To to Tua Fua, yeah, yeah, greased up taekwondo canoeist and skier. Remember, he attempted to um, like water skiing. No, he attempted to qualify for like the 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 winter winter. games. Okay, as a skier, boy, yeah. That I mean, it's not like is it the is it just Tonga? The Tongan Islands. Uh, is Tonga an island? Am I even saying it right? Tonga? Tonga. Tonga. Tonga? Tongan. Tongan. You know, we're just going to have to ask Greg. Greg is our, he's our boots on the ground. I feel like we just get right into the nitty gritty and be like, so Greg, USA basketball. They lose a, they lose one to France. He's a big basketball fan. Oh, That's so he, not, he might know he that. W- he would Dang. absolutely. We've got to find no. out that he won't know then. That's the. Uh, yeah, I would have said water polo, but it turns out he's yeah. an expert on it. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, I would have told you water polo. <laughs> but then Greg went and became a water polo expert in the time yeah. I haven't seen him. <laughs> Steve, I've got a very quick uh, before we uh, get Greg on the phone. It's yeah. a. It's kind of a uh, di Kyle success, I oh. guess. But not without some level of failure. Of course, yeah. Um, I'd had to replace this for a few years. And I I don't know how often you're supposed to or they do replace mailboxes. How? What's the lifespan of a mailbox? You recently replaced yours. Uh, yeah, I had to. Ours Just your kinda, box, though. Ours was kind of falling apart. I didn't replace the whole post. The, okay. Um, is it a 20-year? Is a mailbox a 20-year tw- mailbox? Know, a tw- however long it lasts. Like, once it started. Ours right. was, like, an old metal one. 
Okay. And it was yeah, that's of, what ours is too. Yeah, ours it was just like the paint was chipping off. It was rusty in spots. It just looked like crap. So I went out and bought the old plastic one. Of course, I had to make sure it was approved by the general postmaster. General postmaster doing his job, sitting there in the factory, examining everyone to make sure that door opens <laughs> yeah. and closes, and closes. <laughs> before he's giving his stamp of approval to every mailbox. That's our fearless, fearless general postmaster mm-hmm. doing the Lord's work there for the government. Right. So my mailbox were about a year now, I'd noticed has been really, really wobbly. So the entire structure, not just the box, Post but all. the box was really old anyway, metal, gray, so there's rust spots, hated it. So the post had been wobbly. I looked at it, I started to lift it. I could have lifted the whole thing out if I at any point, so I knew, mm-hmm. hey, in the spring, obviously it's stretching into summer, I need to replace this thing. I'm ready to get a new one. So I'd helped my dad do theirs a few years ago, bag of concrete, new post, new box, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I finally got off uh, got off my butt last week when I was at the store, and I got the materials. I bought a post, got a box, got new letters, Steve. Mm-hmm. I even got post-setting bag of concrete that you don't mix beforehand. It kind of mixes in the hole. Is that the one where, like, you roll it over? And... I don't think so. Oh, okay. It was, it, was just, it was a bag. I think it's a pre-mix. Okay. So essentially you're oh, adding so you water in, in the ground yeah, gotcha. and doing it. I even got new reflectors. Okay? I've just never... in case... Someone is just wildly out of control yes. driving down the yep. road. I don't know why they're on mailboxes. I knew my old one had them, and they had obviously peeled to uselessness mm-hmm. long ago. I had everything. I'd never been more prepared for a DI Kyle project in my mm-hmm. life. I wanted to do it today because I knew we didn't really have anything planned this morning because we weren't going to record the podcast. But my wife at 4 o'clock yesterday, with a severe thunderstorm warning, I'm just, let's just go do it. Let's just go do it. We don't have anything to do in the morning. Let's just, let's just wait. But she walks out there, the tree practically blowing down in our front yard. It's the best time to do it. And That's a, you're really going to test the strength of that new mailbox. I hadn't even looked at general instructions because in my mind, I was going to take the new post, put it in the hole of the old post, yeah. pour concrete in there until you know a few inches below grass level. Yeah water let it set for a second strap the box on top and be yeah. done and push a little mulch or dirt up around it so i'm um, i take the post out and i realize the post is boy this isn't quite like six feet tall like i anticipated it being so the township says it has to be 40 to 45 inches off the ground of course this thing's, i mean of course they have to get involved too this thing's like 44 inches tall total mm. I'm like well what is this Apparently, I bought a, a a fancy newfangled one where it's a piece of metal like rebar. Oh yeah, and you, you put hammer that you put in. half of it down in the ground, and then you set the post on top of the other half, and hammer that in. So there I am sitting like an idiot, storm bearing down. My wife runs inside because my son wakes up from his nap. Oh, so she's gone. I'm sitting there with a yard long level, going like this. Trying to figure out, okay, so the post is level here. The rubber mallet. Wait, you were putting the level this way on the on the post? Yeah, because I knew when I put the box on, the long okay. level, I wanted the box gotcha. on. I didn't want the box angled downward or upward. Well, you should have put the level going up and down. That'll tell you if it's level. You just move it from no, side to no, side. It has to be right on top. That's the way levels work, Steve. I don't, I don't think that's the way I levels work. I can't I to show you how levels work, Steve. It's <laughs> So I'm doing this with one hand, holding the post with the other hand as I'm taking my rubber mallet, hitting, and the rubber mallet part of said mallet flies across the yard. I say out loud the words, F it! And I leave it. And I screw in the box on top. I go to put the new letters that I bought. I bought four letters. I was like, hey, I know the four numbers. Boop, 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 boop. Didn't realize I bought a black mailbox and black letters. (laughs) So there I was making trip number two for a mailbox to the store today, Steve. Okay. To get white letters (laughs) for my black mailbox that is probably going to blow over if a breeze hits it the wrong way. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's... uh... Secured. I was. I can't tell you how happy I was before this. 
I mean, I thought I nailed it. I thought I've got every tool plus some that I but need. But that's for this. always how it is, man. That's always how it's it just is. infuriating. This is this was so simple. My old mailbox came up, honest to God, like like a knife through butter. It was nothing, and the bottom was rotted away into a near yeah. dagger. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you let me get that off my chest. Hey, I'm I'm happy to happy to let you. You know, I feel like I should your, have saved it so we mind. could have expounded on a little bit more next week. Because, That's right. Uh, because we've got to get we've got to get your buddy Greg on yeah, the phone. Yeah, we want to get Greg Meskel on the phone. Let's give him a call right now. Live from Tokyo. Live from Tokyo. Yeah. Hello, Greg Meskel. Steve McKiernan, what's up, man? <laughs> it's been a few uh, been a few minutes since we've talked last, hasn't it? Just a couple, yeah. Just a few. I was trying to think of the last time I talked to you, and then I just started getting sad, so I stopped the exercise. <laughs> now, uh, Greg, first of all, welcome to the Stephen Kyle Podcast. Um, I, I want to run down um, your list of accolades, I guess we could say. Your your resume. Um, okay. As you're talking to us, again, live from Tokyo. So it's, what, 9 a.m. in Tokyo, right? 9, 9 a.m., and the dates, they get away from you here. But 9 a.m. on Monday morning, yeah. Okay, 9 a.m. Monday morning. Yeah. It is 8 yep. p.m. Sunday night here. So you you sent this to me last night. Now, you've called events for ESPN, the Pac-12 Network, uh, the Olympic Channel, NBC Sports Network, Big Ten Network. You're the voice of the fan-controlled football league on Twitch, which is really cool. You're the voice of Manhattan College football or Manhattan College men's basketball on ESPN3, ESPN+. You've served as a reporter and play-by-play uh, for Westwood One, um, NBC Radio, at the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea. You've called a ton of water polo events uh, for the national team, NCAA championship, world championships, etc. Now, you sent me all that, but you forgot to include that you are a college friend of mine, and I'm a little disappointed about that. Where would that <laughs> well, rank on that you, list? I figured you had that part down, so that was the <laughs> that was the one thing you did know, and then I would give you the rest. That's that's way up there, you know. It was like talking to Sean White, and then knowing Steve McKinnon, those were like <laughs> neck and neck. So you're at the Olympics, man. How cool is that? This is what your fifth Olympics. Fifth Olympics overall. It's very cool. It's uh, certainly a strange one uh, with no fans and all the different protocols in place. But I think everyone that's that's here would tell you that they feel fortunate to to be able to take part in. And such an oddly historic event. I mean, the Olympics are such an amazing experience to begin with. Anytime uh, you can go to one, and I always tell people if they can get to one, uh, do it. It's it's just an awesome sports experience, an awesome cultural experience, all of that. But, uh, yeah, it's strange just b- being at venues and uh, you really hear everything because the, there's just media there and just other essential staff. And, and so that's been different. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, as we progress and more medals are won. Those are those really big Olympic moments where there's not the the reaction of the fans, yeah. the family, that sort of stuff. So I think that's going to be a very different feel, certainly as a spectator media member, but then especially, I think, for the athletes. Yeah, Greg, this is Kyle. Glad to have you on. Thrilled to talk to you. Steve was telling me before we started recording, you never touched water polo in college. Can not you... that I know. I said, to be fair, I said not Correct. that I know. Sorry. I, I'm I'm confident in saying that you weren't a big water polo fan when I knew you, correct? This is an accurate statement, and I'm going to be with you as well. Um, so, so how do you get there? Jersey, that, that's a question I get asked often, and you know, n- now uh, the running joke is I've, you know, I've known the sport for so long that I just claim I played for a program that no longer exists. You know, <laughs> right. the, the old Bearcats, they, you know, they, they got cut a couple of years ago. Remember them? The sure, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a very limited water polo knowledge. So I, I was a full lifeguard as a teenager and, and uh, like early years of college. And uh, at this community pool in New Jersey, they played water polo in like the rec hour, like 4 p.m. every afternoon. But that was really all I knew. And no one I know now, that was not really a water polo. That was, I don't know, 50 kids in the dive tank just pegging each other with a volleyball. <laughs> yeah, bas- and basically, basically dodgeball <laughs> yeah. in a pool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so really random journey. Um, after uh, college, I had worked behind the scenes in a bunch of uh, TV networks, but I was also doing play-by-play for Wagner College uh, uh, football and basketball. And then I was there a couple of years, and they needed help in their uh, sports information department, and it was a chance to to go and be a GA and get a master's and, and work for them while also still doing everything else. I was doing the, the radio broadcasting and working in TV. And when I was there, uh, everyone gets assigned sports, and it's just funny, like fateful decisions, right? That yeah. you would never know where they'll lead you. But 
I, they had said, okay, you're going to do, you know, everyone helps out in football. You're going to do swimming. You're going to do track and field. And then uh, you can do wrestling or water polo. Uh, what do you think? And hmm. I had met the water polo coach and like a nice guy. And I was like, oh, that seems fun. I'm, I'm already doing the aquatics thing already with swimming. Yeah. So I'll do that. And uh, that was like a two-year crash course in understanding the sport. And it was a good team on the East Coast. And they made the NCAA championships and got to kind of, you know, see that level of it. And uh, I, I finished with that one year. And the next year I was at the Olympic Games. And That's it was, so crazy. It, wow. And it was, it, it was weird to go from that level to then the most elite level. And it, yeah, it's been kind of a journey since, and you know, I can I can uh, belabor you guys with more about this, but it's just kind of been a been a weird run of kind of doing that, and then through that sport, and and you guys know working in media, like there's no one path to getting to where you want to go. Yeah, everyone's um, different. Everyone's different. That kind of allowed me to route back into the broadcasting, and and actually get get opportunities that I don't know I would have gotten if I had just stayed in the football basketball world, which is where a lot of people reside. So. Yeah. So uh, do you strange, think that strange journey? Could you say that that you probably benefited from the fact that there isn't a ton? I mean, let's be honest, there's not a ton of focus on water polo in this country. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you can if you can get in, it's not really a surprise that you elevated so quickly. Uh, no, it's you're you're exactly right. There's not a lot of people doing it um, now. The one downside is right. There's not a lot of coverage for it. So if you're if, you know if you're into broadcasting that sort of thing, there aren't a ton of opportunities. But one of the good things that was uh, helpful about it is that the events that were getting on television and were getting streamed, that sort of thing, uh, I started to get into those, and then those places did other sports. And so okay. you know, I had, I'd had a history of doing other things before water polo, football, basketball, like we're talking about. So it was like, hey, I can also do this. And so that was kind of a roundabout way to getting some of those chances that if I had just said, hey, this is what I do, you know, it's it, with hiring and all that stuff, I think people want to have confidence that someone can do it. And, and they kind of want to have seen their work a bit. And so it's a little bit more translatable if they've seen you kind of do something else before you're kind of just coming in cold. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about Olympic Village and kind of the differences, obviously the massive differences between now and the other Olympics you've, you've been to? Because it just doesn't seem like this joyful, fun experience that you hear about in the media all the time for the athletes as well as you guys. Yeah, I think that, the people that are in the village now, it, it it seems like they're having a good time. Media aren't aren't allowed to stay in the village, and so typically in past Olympic games, a little bit easier to be able to go visit the village and see what that's like. But obviously, with COVID, they've really restricted that access, so there's not even um, what what they would call like a day pass to go in there and see. Mm -hmm. So I I, mean, I think there's just a lot of restrictions in place for for everybody to try and you know keep that social distance make sure you're wearing your mask you know you're you're doing your testing all of that stuff so that that stuff just inherently takes a little bit of the the energy out of it you know yeah, if you're kind of having it in the back of your mind especially for the athletes and you've seen it already with a couple having positive tests that that would be a nightmare i, I can't even imagine i mean to put all of this time and effort in mm. and then you get somewhere and you know, even if you're vaccinated, right, you can still test positive and that kind of could potentially end your Olympic journey, especially if you're not a long term sport, right? If you're not if you're not a team sport that's playing the entire Olympic Games, you're pretty much done. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna get a chance to play yeah. or compete. And you've worked so hard at that. So I, I could see why there might be a little like walking on eggshells for some of these people. I know for me, I'd I'd wanna be like wrapped in bubble tape, like stay away from me until <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do yeah. my event and then and then we can hang out. To kind of speaking to that, how what was the process like kind of those two weeks leading up to you leaving for Tokyo? And then um, what was it like getting there? Is Was there more strict, hey, that you need another test when you land type of thing? What was that process like for you before even getting there? Yeah, tons of protocols. So, you know, obviously they want you monitoring your, your own health in the lead up, you know, if you're not feeling well, that sort of stuff. Uh, you had to take two tests. Uh, 96 hours out and 72 hours out that uh, were done kind of on your own, you know, but they reported and it had to, yet yet have like official documentation. It couldn't be like a thing where it's like, yeah, I got it from CVS and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, when you get to the airport, obviously you have to have all that documentation with you. I mean, so much paperwork, like just papers and papers and copies of those papers. And then uh, the, the flight itself, largely uneventful. Um, but then when you land again, additional screening. So 
again, you're showing this documentation a lot. You're, you're getting temperature checked. You're doing another COVID test at the airport. And so uh, it's it's been a fun, you know, little parlor game. Hey, how long did it take you to get out of the airport? Because <laughs> oh. it's 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 ranged from like three on the fast side to like eight to ten Ooh. on the slow side. How was yours? I was somewhere in the landed at 4 p.m. And I was I was at a hotel a little before midnight. And I consider that a win. That's like, not bad. I like, yeah, I was like, if I can get out of here and that's... get to that hotel, like in in like eight hours shot, that's like not terrible. Six eight hours. Yeah, so. that's not uh, oh. that, that's that's not the worst. So what? Um, you've been there for what about four days at this point? Three four days. Uh, you know, I was just looking at that. So I left on a Monday. It is a Monday. I mean, let's call it six days. <laughs> so yeah, because yeah, you kind of lose a day in there. So what have uh what. Now, when you're not working, because you're doing basically you do uh, like press work for the water polo team, correct? Correct. Yeah, just uh, you know, lots of social media coverage of them, and you know, kind of sharing photos and uh, helping facilitate interviews, that sort of stuff for them. We we went a couple of press conferences uh, before the game started, um, so all that sort of thing. So, in your downtime, if you have any, I, you may not have any at all. But do you get to go to other events? Uh, yes, and so I actually just went and saw. Uh, unfortunately, the men's basketball lost to France last night, which Ooh, was uh, the first the first men's loss uh, at the Olympics since 2004, yeah, I believe. 25 um, in a row. Yeah, yeah, they had been doing quite quite well. So although although France, uh, a lot of NBA guys on that team, so it's not you know it's not a like it's it's a group of slouches. But um, to your point, and this and this goes for any Olympic games, you can typically go and see other stuff, but it's very calculated. So, you know, you only have so much time. It's 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 a very busy schedule. So you're always looking at days and trying to look ahead a few days and say, like, okay, do I have three hours there, four right. hours there where I can kind of go and do something or go see something and then kind of get back to, to what we're doing. And so um, we had an earlier game yesterday and that, you know, that worked out for last night. Also, it, it, it helped. It was a very late start. It was a, it was a 9 p.m. start. Um, yeah, so that's typical, uh, different here. Again, more procedures in place due to COVID. So. You could typically just go to certain events. There's a reservation system in now to ensure that events aren't overwhelmed with people because, again, sure. they really want to create great distance and, you know, all that sort of thing. So uh, that that's the one wrinkle in that um, in the past, you, should, you should just be able to look at the schedule and just say, I'm going to I'm going to go into this and then I'm going to walk yeah. over there and come back to this. You know, you can knock out three things in an hour if the, all the venues were close. I mean, so that's a little bit of a different challenge. You have to be, even be more of a planner this time around. Is there anything specific you're looking forward to going and seeing? Because I know that you're a basketball fan, so I'm I'm assuming yeah. you were looking forward to last night's game. Totally, yeah. So I I always try and see at least a basketball game. Uh, I'd, I'd like to go see a women's game uh, as well. Um, swimming is next to water polo, so if I can get over to there, that's always usually a fun environment. Uh, and, and there's so many strong athletes. And, and then just something you know maybe I haven't seen before. Uh, I was talking with some other people that are here that uh, judo, the competition for judo is in a really historic facility mm-hmm. here in Tokyo um, and kind of part of the origins, the origins of the sport. And so that might be a cool thing to check out that oh, I've never cool. seen in person. So uh, that that's one of the fun things uh, about the games is that you can go and see things that maybe you didn't know a whole lot about. And suddenly you're a heavily invested fan in what's happening <laughs> right. and, you know, and cheering it on and quickly learning what's, what's happening. And, you know, by, by the end, you're rooting for someone to win a medal. <laughs> You've been there for about six days. You mentioned Greg it's, I, I forget the exact date it happened. I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday where one of the heads of the Olympic committee for Tokyo came out and mentioned something about, Hey, there's still a chance that we might last minute cancel this thing. How close or I mean, was there any fear among you, any other administration that this thing's really in danger of actually being canceled? I didn't personally think so, just because you had so many people already here and uh, the schedules were about to begin. You know, there's competition before the opening ceremony. I, yeah. I know some people think that's when it starts, right? But softball, other things had begun a few days earlier. So, no, I mean, at that point, and, and, and that goes for so many things that we heard over the last few months where there was questions about are the games in jeopardy and that sort of thing. And, and this is so cliche from like an athlete standpoint, but, but the old control, which you can control and, and you really do kind of have to just put the horse blinders on and kind of look ahead as if things are going to happen until someone tells you that they're not going to happen because otherwise you could, you, you could spend all day worrying about what might not be. And that doesn't just go for these Olympics. Uh, every one maybe save for one of them I've been to, there's been some sort of 
thing before the games that was going to be the biggest problem. And, oh, man, what are we going to do? And then it starts. You guys will recall before Rio, Zika virus, mosquitoes, yeah. big deal. Mm-hmm. right? Everyone's very concerned. It's going to be a problem. I swear to you, I, I, for three weeks, I did not see a mosquito. Not a mosquito, <laughs> not a bug. Now, I'm sure they were there. I didn't see them. I still have nine large bottles of like mosquito spray from Amazon that were unused. <laughs> like I came out of that bus in Rio, like coated in spray, like ready for battle. I was like hosing myself down for the first like two days, and I'm walking around, and I'm like, either this stuff is really impressive spray, right. or there there are no bugs. So. Um, but you just don't know until you get there, right? So they, you know, there's an old cliche, right? Like it's like, you know, the games will take over. It's like once the, you know, once the sports begin, that's you know what everyone will kind of focus on, and that's typically what happens is people want to see all the athletes do their thing. You know, they're 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 the reason why we're here. Let's talk overall experiences, Greg. If this is your fifth Olympics, you're in Tokyo. You mentioned Rio. I don't know the other ones that you've you've been to. Where, how would you rank? What are your top three so far? And I'm, it might not be fair giving you only a week in Tokyo, but what are your top three Olympic experiences so far in your career? Yeah, well, Kyle, you'll make it easy on me. I'll just take Tokyo out because it's not complete, so I can't, <laughs> I can't judge it. Uh, so now we're just looking at four. Uh, so this is challenging because uh, I get asked this a lot, and I and I say, you know, they're they're all great in their own way, and it's and it's really true. Uh, so the other ones were. Pyeongchang, uh, 2018 uh, winter, and then uh, London, 2012, and then Beijing in 2008. Um, that it, you know, it, it's it's super hard to to pick all of those. 2008 so memorable because I had never been anywhere. I'd never left the country at all, and so to go to those Olympic Games and to see all of that, like it's it's funny now having gone to it afterwards, other games, and there's still things from that from that first game that are just like burned in my brain that aren't from the other ones. I think because it's just it was such a different cultural experience too, a new language, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So um that that was very cool. Um yes, yeah, so I you know I I probably put that and then and then uh this is no knock on London. I love London, but I think in Rio and in Pyeongchang I was able to do much more broadcasting and I was primarily a broadcaster in in South Korea, uh doing reporting and a little bit of play by play and you know that's that's really the first love for me. So I, I, I think that was um, probably my favorite. If I like a 2018, just from a standpoint, from a professional standpoint of like this is what I love to do, and I was able to do it, um, you know, amongst the best athletes in the world. So that's that's probably what I would put first if I had to. And then uh, maybe Beijing second, just because it was that kind of first experience. Um, and then Rio is just such a beautiful place, you know. So take that it's, London. Uh, it's yeah, it's you. hard. It's hard though. Yeah, exactly. Yes, this is this is my anti-London problem. <laughs> I'm glad you were yeah. finally able to get that out there because <laughs> yeah, you know everybody was wondering. I, I've, so. been, I've been sitting on that for a while. <laughs> now, for me, there's been kind of three storylines for the Olympics. One, will they actually happen or not? Two is during the opening ceremonies the other day when Hot Tongan Man walked in with his uh, with his body all greased up again. What was the Everyone had to be talking about it, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the talk of the talk of the town, right? <laughs> well, so and and I, and I have to look up his name, but uh, it's Peter Peter something. Uh, he's a returner, so he has done this in the past. Yeah, and I and I want to say he he also was at the Winter Games. At he a different was, sport. yeah, he yes. was. Uh, we were we were talking about this beforehand. He, it's such a crazy story. He was the flag bearer at the 2016 games, the 2016 Summer Games. He walked in, shirt off, greased up. And yeah. and I mean, the Internet immediately blew up. And then I think that in like a year's time, he decided I want to do that again and took up skiing and tried to qualify for the 2018 games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember that when he came out in 2016, you know, and it's obviously a different scene because there was fans there and just kind of the reaction. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, as someone who loved some WWF back in the day, very reminiscent of like oh a and Randy Savage. Yeah. Amazing. Where, you know, someone. You know, just kind of cruising out to the ring, um, <laughs> glistening, you know, like the Hulkster. So, uh, yeah, like he's a, he's clearly a showman, you know, he knows, he knows what to do. You know, that event is time to show out, right? You see all the different outfits and what everyone puts on. And yeah. it's like, uh, you know, like a, like a, like a red carpet when everyone judges the facts and everything <laughs> like that. So, uh, hey, I applaud him, you know, uh, getting the name out there for his country and for himself. And, uh, hopefully we'll see him 
maybe in Beijing in only a couple of months for the for the Winter Games, or perhaps uh, in Paris, and he can try and one up his whole show somehow. Yeah, I mean, it, like we talked about it before, if either of us looked even remotely as good as him, it's like the old "if you've got it, flaunt it." Why not? I would never so, wear a shirt, so Greg. I would never wear a shirt. No. <laughs> you know, not even in, in those cold winters. Just no. go out there and just flaunt it. I mean, you deserved it. You earned it. And this yeah. is an assumption on my part, but probably not pants either. No, no, definitely not. Just definitely not. Just now, that you may have. You may, you, may, you may run into some legal issues, but again, your choice. Now, what about the uh, what about the anti-sex beds? That was the big story about the Olympic Village. Everyone talking about that, too? Yeah, well, yeah, talking about it in the sense that it's not true, you know. So know. it was another one of those. It was another one of those things that had to be quickly debunked. You know, this was a, this was an original. Uh, you know, the Olympics, especially here, they they put a big focus on um, uh, su- sustainability, right, and yeah. recycling and all of that stuff. And so that th- those beds, I want to say, were really announced in 2019 or 2020. You know, as like, hey, these are going to be the perfect, uh, sustainable, you know, recyclable beds, you know, cardboard frames, right? And, it, and it's not like the box or TV came in, right? It's not going to fall apart <laughs> right. immediately. But of course, you know, some some uh, enterprising journalist on the internet, or I don't know, someone who just shares memes or whatever, put that out there, <laughs> just looked at it and was like, oh, this is clearly designed so that no one spends time together, uh, <laughs> you know, outside of the competition. It's like that's just not not the case. And so you've seen some really funny videos. I think the U.S. Uh, women's rugby team did a did a video on TikTok of of them doing all these different uh, poses on the bed, like yeah. you know, jumping around and showing how it could withstand all this force. So it's a uh, it's classic, uh, you know. It's just uh, you, you you get people looking for stories that are that are all over the place, uh, and this was one of them. And you know, and then uh, of course it only took a couple of days, and everyone was like, "Wait a minute, we did a single Google search. It turns out they announced <laughs> these beds." Two years ago, and they're for the environment. Yeah, I'm glad Steve mentioned it. I'm glad that door has been cracked open because you've been to five Olympics, like you talk about. You can't shut up about it. <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah, Kyle, <proceed>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the it's lore almost among hearing about Olympic villages and Olympics about the athletes and how they just go wild. All of them have sex with all of the other ones. Yeah. Is there anything that you can speak to? Obviously, not specifically seeing or whatever. Is that something that's talked about or that you've, you know, kind of overheard? Like, yeah, that's kind of true or no, that's totally false. Well, first of all, your numbers don't add up. It's not possible for all the athletes to have sex with all the other athletes. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've done the math, Greg. Hey, look, I've every, done the math. Anything is possible, Greg. Anything's yeah, possible. Yeah. I see how long those power lifters work, Greg. It's not long. Okay. It leaves a lot of time for those for uh, the anti-boning beds. Um, I mean, I'm going to give you guys a very boring answer in that I have, you know, I be, and, and this is because I have never stayed in a village. So I have never, you know, heard of that. Look, I've also always been around a team sport and they are competing the entire time. So they're very focused on, on their competition. They're, you know, they, they start play the day they get there and they finish really the day the Olympics ends. And so it might be a different story for uh, lots of individual athletes. Um, and then I'll tell you too, you know, kind of being in that, in that media journalist role, this is typically not a story that's getting volunteered to me, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, like, hey, know, where, that, where's that. the where's the media guy? We got to tell him yeah, about sex, yeah. Greg. You're not going to believe <laughs> exactly. who yeah, I hooked up that's, with. That's, yeah, that's just you know, I'm the last person that's getting told about any of that. So if that stuff is is happening, they're sharing that those details with someone else. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about fan controlled football that you're a part of because yeah. what a fascinating phenom that appears to have come out of nowhere in the last few years and now this past year attracting um, kind of NFL, well, former NFL players is the way, the best way to phrase them. Johnny Manziel, Josh Gordon. What has that been like for you? Cause what a weird new venture, but it seems to have some capital and some real legs behind it. I mean, the ownership has Marshawn Lynch and I mean, other star athletes, Mm -hmm. what a weird adventure. Can you kind of explain or quickly run down how it works? Yeah, it's it was such a cool experience. Season one, we're we're excited for season two. Uh, details on that haven't been announced yet, but you know, looking forward to when that takes place. But uh, four four founders, um, one of them, Ray Austin, played in the NFL for a couple of years. This this was kind of their vision. Um, you know, they all kind of got together. Uh, so Rob, Grant, Patrick, the other three, um, all, all kind of brought different skill sets to come together. You know, almost like the old Captain Planet cartoon when their powers <laughs> combine. Right, we get fan controlled football. Um, and, and so it's it's a it's a mix of live action football and video games. So it really appeals to the esports community, but also the person that 
that loves football. Essentially, this past season, four four teams. It's uh, indoor arena football, fifty yard field, and as a fan, if you want to be fully involved, you could just watch and just enjoy the football. But as a fan, if you want to be fully involved and play, you download their app or you install an extension on on your Twitch screen, and you pick one team. That's 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 your team that you root for. And when that team is on offense, you're calling the plays. And majority wins on the play that they run. And so you get points if the play is successful. If you're smart enough to pick a play that didn't work, so they didn't use your play call and it was a dud, you get points for that too, for being smarter than than the rest of the crowd. And so that's how kind of what we call fan IQ would grow throughout the season. And, and so uh, that combined with some really exciting finishes, some uh, well-known names, Johnny Manziel, uh, Josh Gordon, you guys mentioned them, and then and then some people that maybe people hadn't heard of but really uses the chance to shine. There, there's a great receiver, Travis Toivin, and he parlayed this into a contract with the Seahawks. So there's uh, people that use this as kind of a great springboard for the next thing. I'm able to be back next season. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it was just kind of the mix of all of that. And then you add in the element of the Twitch chat, which, which as a broadcaster I hadn't done a lot of, you know, typically on – on network stuff, you're not getting that instant feedback. Maybe someone's <laughs> texting you or something, you're getting tweeted at, but yeah. this is just this stream of comments that is moving so fast. It's, it's really hard to kind of pick off what's being said, but you kind of go back and look through. And, and so to get that instant feedback was also super interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys on your you know show, it'd be interesting, right, to have someone literally constantly telling you, no, not that. Hey, what about this? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that, that was dumb. Wait, Steve, wh- why? You know, so uh, that that was going to be interesting to see. You kind of take it with a grain of salt, but all of that mixed together, like new new next level sort of sort of broadcast. And the feedback was great. Our viewership rose every week, week over week, and then we had a really great um, pop for the championship. So it was awesome. How frustrating is it to the players when the fans who think that they're experts, because, I mean, let's face it, it's it's people who play video games, it's people who watch sports, it's fantasy football fans, um, not necessarily anyone that's actually played the sport before, but could you, was there ever a time where you could sense the frustration from the players because the fans made a stupid choice? Well, it, it was funny early on, and, you know, then fans, I think, acclimated and, and figured it out and leveled out the the balance on their play calling because remember they're only calling offense but there is a hot mic booth uh the wendy's hot mic booth in the corner of the end zone that players kind of go into after touchdowns just whenever they wanted to go say something and and early on it was so pass heavy you had some of the running backs they would just be like <laughs> please run the ball run pick any run any run at all give us a chance you know and like every play can't be a flea flicker <laughs> yeah, it, just, we, it can't always just be dropped back past, you know, and then eventually you saw the teams that really balanced that out. And it was interesting to see which teams took on a real community approach where they you know, they really were like collaborating. I'm like, OK, what's our strategy, which I you know, that's a challenge in itself. And it ended up being a team that won the title of the Wild Aces. Um, Greg Miller and his crew, they they did a great job of kind of organizing okay, this is the type of football we want to play. And this is, you know, what do you guys think about this or that? And, and really kind of coalesced into a, a virtual team, if you will, kind of selecting what they wanted to do going forward. And uh, yeah, it was really funny to see it kind of evolve over time. It's funny because uh, on my, my actual job on the radio show, we played uh, from time to time, we played some highlights from, from the fan controlled football league throughout the season. Uh, that's awesome. And at one point I'm, we played a clip. I think it was uh, it was like one of the Johnny Manziel clips or something. And I I'm listening to it. and I'm like, wait a minute. I know that voice. And then I go back and I realize, it, like the exact clip that we're playing, you had just posted on your your Facebook page earlier in the day. And I'm like, oh my god, that's great. It's it, it's Greg. I know this guy. And it's it's weird because I have like this odd sense of pride because. I know that guy and he's doing good things and we went to school together and it was, it was one of those really cool moments to hear. Oh no, totally. I, I, I think I feel the same way. I see all the stuff that you post and it's, it's cool. It's a, and, and you've been long enough to know now and you know all the people that we came up with. Uh, it's a battle of attrition to kind of keep it going in this. So uh, you know how many people that were good at this and it, you know, for whatever reason it just didn't work out yeah. or, you know, they had to go in a different direction. And so, when someone's able to kind of stay stay in there and make this thing happen, I think we all feel like a collective sense of like, all right, that's great. That's like good good for us and good for them. Yeah, like you said, the numbers are, are definitely dwindling because we graduated uh, nearly 20 years ago, like 18, 19 years ago, whatever it was. 
And I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of people that are still in the the broadcast field. So when I see somebody doing cool things, it's uh, it's really cool to hear. Yeah, no, same, same. It's uh, it's a battle, you know. It's uh, you have to stay in there and hope, just keep on hoping it's gonna it's gonna work out. Yeah, right. Well, one of you is in Tokyo at their fifth Olympics. So <laughs> we can't hear the end about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the other one is sitting in my basement talking to the guy that's at the Olympics. <laughs> You know, everyone's working from home now, guys. Your basement would be a fantastic place to be. Greg, before we get you out of here, man, we know you probably have a busy day over there. Um, the niceties are over. All right, you've been to five oh, Olympics boy. again. You don't you don't shut the hell up about it. We, uh, you're a recognizable face. Thinking of some hostility. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I see you've met Kyle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're a recognizable face so you know you can probably get into rooms that you know a lot of time years ago people would have given you a second <laughs> glance that hey who's that guy what does he think he's doing can i ask you just one favor we would like from the tokyo olympics 2020 slash 2021 some type of trinket <laughs> maybe it's something that you've grabbed while you're there maybe it's something they gave you what my dream is, because, again, it's in the news. I feel like every Olympics they talk about, oh, they're distributing 500,000 condoms to all the athletes. I want an Olympic ring branded condom if you could get your <laughs> hands on one of those or, you know, some other trinket that you take. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to discard this because I don't want to travel with it, you know, across the globe. Yeah, I mean, maybe an anti-sex bed. If you can get us one of them, yeah. if you can fit it in your carry-on, we'd appreciate yeah. that. I mean, I think we've, I think we've covered those. They're going to be recycled. They're not <laughs> going to be available. Uh, it, it would be very unsustainable for me to take one, bring it all the way home, and then try and recycle it there. <laughs> That'd look guys. really cool in the corner of our studio, though, Greg. I mean, <laughs> really cool. I would do with it. So, um, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, Kyle, I think your long-winded way of asking for a souvenir, no problem, good, good sir. I don't want, but we don't want yeah. a lanyard, you know, because you I want, feel like you could get yeah. that off of eBay for a few bucks because, again, yeah. that's something that you're going to discard anyway, right? I mean, do you have keepsakes from all of your Olympics that you've uh, that you've worked? Yeah, there's something I try and keep from everyone. You know, pins are a big deal at the Olympics. And really? that has kind of been – oh, pins pin, – pin trading and the pin culture of the yeah. Olympics, and it's, and it's t- taken a hit this time with no fans. That is, that is a huge part of the Olympic Games. Uh, people are rabid to collect and try and get unique ones. And um, and so uh, a pin from this Olympic Games, that might be considered a rare item to have. So I have some of those. I would Ooh. be happy to hold one of those for you. And then if I see anything else random, uh, non-sex related, sorry to disappoint <laughs> you, uh, I will I will see what I can uh, do to bring that back to you. Look, don't say non-sex related. It could just happen. I mean, look... It, Keep the possibility open. It could possibly happen. If you happen to walk past a bowl of Olympic-branded condoms, reach in there, grab a couple of them, and send them our way, okay? This has been noted. (laughs) (laughs) Or, again, don't rule it out, you know, if you run into one of those cardboard disasters. Just uh, throw that over your shoulder on your way to the airport. Bring her on home as a carry-out personal item. (laughs) Yeah, that will definitely fit in the overhead compartment. (laughs) Well, Greg, I see you haven't left that basement much. No, 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 not at all. We've been in here for a year and a half. <laughs> we need something to do. I, yeah, I have someone that has a window or at least get some sunlight to get some, get some food and drinks down there. For you guys. <laughs> well, Greg, this is the point in the interview where we would cue up the Olympic theme music, but I'm pretty sure that that is not Creative Commons. Yeah. Pretty sure that that is a copyrighted piece of... Greg Meskel, everybody. Greg, where can people find you? If you're, I know you're doing a lot of press work for. Uh, I'm assuming it's all of Team USA and the water polo team. Where can people find you to uh, see what you're putting out there right now while you're in Tokyo? Yeah, good, good place. Uh, Twitter or Instagram uh, at at Greg Meskel on Twitter. And then a very creative at Mescalade on Instagram, <laughs> Mescalade. which is like Escalade, but my last name. <laughs> well, uh, we'll make those will be in the show notes for everybody as well. Please follow along, Greg in Tokyo again. It's fifth Olympics, and uh, good God, we may never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having me, dude. Thank and, you. Uh, it was great. Kyle, yeah, it's been a thrill to just learn your your heartwarming personality, <laughs> Steve. Always a pleasure to chat with you. As well. Man, it's been great to talk to you. I hope to actually see you in person at some point soon uh, once the world somewhat returns to normal. Yes, we're long overdue for a nice West West Long Branch reunion. Oh, definitely. Yes. Can't wait. Yeah. All right, man. It was great to talk to you. Be safe over there, all right? All right, guys. Take care. Take Thanks, care. Man, he is a good guy. Kind of a dick about the Olympics, huh? <laughs>
<laughs> wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> what a weird thing to... <laughs> Hey, hey, we're inviting you on to talk about this thing, but when you talk about that thing, we're just going to drag you for talking about that thing that we See, asked you to talk about. See, everybody, the key to that joke is that he only mentioned he'd done five Olympics once. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it. Yeah, I don't even know if yeah, he did. Yeah, you may have. You may have. Oh, man. Uh, what a good dude. I love that guy. I, could, I, I, I still have a litany of questions. One about fan control football still, but yeah. you know, I, I could have talked to him again, but I, I feel like. It's my way with everybody we talk about is, yeah. I mean, the food options, like what do they do? Is it cafeteria style? Is it like cuisine or is it yeah. garbage? You know, what are people, yeah, these what are things people craving where, where like there? Emerald is there cooking yeah. for everybody? Or? I just have so many questions and that it's such a fascinating experience that it's hard for me to overlook the Olympics when they depart because that when they depart, they leave a wake of debt, devastation and empty buildings yeah. in every town they do they that they go to. Yeah. But while they're there, people are so enamored with it. And it's the pomp and circumstance of it all, you know? It's the world stage. It know? is. I mean, everybody's every I mean everybody's watching for that couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's it's so neat to see. I mean, you've been in some of those scenarios. I mean, you were at the the, the wedding, the royal wedding, however mm-hmm. many years ago that was. It's so weird the way the world latches onto some certain things. Yeah. You know, and uh but very, very cool to be able to talk to Greg live on the scene in Tokyo. I'd love to get him on another. I mean, you knew him in college, which means I have to ask him a million questions about your college experience. Oh, sure. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd, uh, he's, he's a good source. He's a good wealth of information. I mean, I don't I don't think he was underwear wrestling. He was not. He was not part of the infamous group. Underwear wrestling. Right. Uh, not underwear, to be clear, once again. History has held that in place, that that was underwear wrestling when a neighbor girl ran in and you sprinted upstairs hoping nobody saw you. Oh, God. Ugh, just thinking about that. Well, not one of my prouder moments. Outstanding. That <laughs> not was, one uh... of my prouder moments at all. Now, we had talked about possibly doing a... Yeah. Uh, all right. We had talked about possibly playing the outro music. Which we will possibly talk about doing again next week. Next week we should have uh, we should have another guest on the yeah. one we uh, the the interview we had scheduled for this week that we had to reschedule presumably will be next week I'm not going to guarantee that so uh, yeah the the run continues here yeah again you can find Greg at Greg Meskel on Twitter and Instagram did he say I'm not sure which Mescalade one. on yeah, Instagram Mescalade is on Instagram and, uh M E S C A L L Greg with one G. So you can kind of follow along. I know he's posting a lot of stuff about uh, what's going on at the Olympics. It's it's a cool insider view. Yeah. Of uh, of the I mean the biggest event in the world. Yeah. I mean that that's a fascinating experience to be to any of them, let alone five different experiences of varying involvement. You know that yeah. you kind of get to see the ins and outs. So big thanks to Greg for uh, taking the time. Can't imagine he has a lot of free time during the Olympics. So good yeah. to talk to him again, an old college buddy coming through in the clutch. nostalgia. But I was serious though when I when we played a clip of him on the radio show a couple months ago, I was like, "Wait, that's amazing! It's so cool to see what somebody a neat way to remember somebody to find out. somebody doing so well." So big thanks to Greg uh, at Stephen Kyle Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We will talk to you next week. See you.